welcome to Press Church. I'm Nicole Fowles. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we are so glad you have joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm new link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. Press Youth will be meeting next Sunday from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our PAL campus. This is a time for our youth to connect with each other and learn more about God. We have press stickers, t-shirts, and car stickers available at the information desk in the lobby. If you don't have a sticker on your car yet, make sure to get one as you leave. Woven, our weekly women's Bible study, will be meeting tomorrow from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at our PAL campus. If you're interested in joining, please email Krista Hoffman at cfhoffman at yahoo.com. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you're visiting a campus in person, there is a box by the back exit of the Worship Center where you can drop your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage for what God has for us today. Welcome to Press Church. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Sean Lee, and I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, For those of you joining us online, welcome as well. We are continuing in our Enough series this morning. Hopefully you guys were able to join us last week or at least watch online. It was fun to have CR and Jason up here with us, our our other pastors on staff, and uh, just to open up the series and get to to chat through some of that. I was, um, so I was pondering this week, bear with me. I was pondering how, you know, the similarities between how we take care of our homes and how we take care of our spiritual lives. And so, I don't know, anybody else, like, really bad at, like, regular maintenance on their house? Am I the only one that's, like, four months late on changing their air filter? It seems like not. Like, it is, like, I I think the other day we were, I was downstairs, and I looked, I'm like, when was the last time we changed it? Like, I, like, had to, like, pull it. I mean, it was like, I really had to get into it and pull it out, and it's just like black, and I'm like, that's probably not good for us. Uh, I probably should replace that that sooner. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating, you know, some of the, the routine things that we probably should do, and how if we don't do those routine things, in the long run, it ends up like costing us a lot more. You, you notice that? So I... Uh, Part of the reason I was thinking about this, you know, taking care of our homes thing, and unfortunately, I had to take care of my chimney this last week. And that was, that was way more expensive than what I really, you know, wanted it to be. But, you know, so, so I have this chimney, right? And it's, uh, 
it's a little old, you know, and I, I knew there was some wear and tear on it, but I didn't really realize how bad it is. We had somebody come out and inspect it, and they're like, yeah, yeah like, we're going to have to do something, like, either tear it down, rebuild it, or, I mean, there's a couple different options, and I'm like, great. And so we, we get it done, we fix it up, everything's fine, you know, you know, it's funny, too, because, like, our, our, our fireplace, if, does anybody have, like, doors on their fireplace, those little cabinet doors? So we have those cabinet doors, and we just conveniently keep those doors shut, right? So you don't see some of the, the water leaks and some of the things going on inside there. It's hidden. And if it's hidden, everything's great, right? That's what we thought, right? It's, just, it's, it's fine. It's fine. And then it gets to a point where you're like, oh, like, we can't even fix this now. Like, you have to, like, get a whole new chimney or you have to, like, spend a lot of money to fix this. But I was talking to the chimney guy, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you, if you spray this, like, water sealer stuff every couple years, you'd probably be all right. Well, it's good to know now that I'm spending however much I'm spending on this stinking chimney. But it's like that. Like, we could, we could do these little things periodically to keep ourselves healthy, and we don't really do that. We just, we just keep doing our own thing. We, we shut those cabinet doors so we don't see them. We ignore the problems, right? We've, we've gotten really good at conveniently ignoring the, the small leaks in our lives, the, the weird noises, the crack in the wall that every year seems to get just a little bit bigger. But it's all good, right? And ultimately, it's, it's usually not until it becomes a really big mess that it gets our attention. When the leak is no longer just a small leak, it's flooding in the basement, when the chimney's to the point where it's crumbling. And I want to ask us today, what are the warning signs in our life? What are the signs that we are ignoring? What is about to break? What are we wanting to hide and get rid of? So CR, Pastor CR, Pastor Jason, and myself, if you, if you haven't joined us before, almost every week we get together, we hop in the car, and we start discussing uh, the sermon for the day. And so I joined Pastor C.R. and Jason in the car this week, and so we started to talk about that. What are we ignoring? What are the warning signs? What is going on in our life? Let's take a look at this video. Your car is grieving. <laughs> My car is grieving. And you're just driving it forward. It's, it's just got all kinds of lights have just started <laughs> popping up in the last week. Uh, you know, it might be time. The, the way that I'm running with the lights right now, it's kind of like it reminds me of that Seinfeld episode with Kramer where he's like uh, trying to keep going on empty gas. There's still some overlap between the needle and the slash below the E. How low are you going to go? Oh, I've been in the slash many times. This is nothing. You'll get used to it. Just put it out of your mind. <laughs> just push through. <laughs> we probably have those things. We have we have check engine lights going off in our lives. We've yeah. We just ignore. We've ignored. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> Sometimes you can just put a sticker over it. <laughs> right. We're just seeing how far. How much we can get away with, mm -hmm. even though our, our warning lights are yeah, going. The next off. step is your engine seizing up. The question is, when does it reach enough that you actually do something about it? Ah. Uh, 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 look at you. Very nice. Preacher man. 
have you had enough? At some point, it's like everybody. What I'm doing wrong? The like I know I know what I'm doing that I shouldn't do, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, you know, are we okay with it? I think like in our soul, we're we're like we don't feel good about ourselves, and we're we have a negative view of ourselves because we are feeling the weight of yeah. something isn't right. But we do try to ignore it and we try to reach for other things to get us past that feeling. I think that's 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 a part of it. Like, a, a lot of times it's presented like, well, if you um, you know, uh, drive drunk, <laughs> yeah, then, then you're going to feel the effects of getting in an accident or something like that or, and, and ruining your life in that that way and it's like you might that's a possibility you might not you might not yeah and but the problem is is you're gonna feel the effects of you're filling your life with something that is really unhealthy for you and you can kind of keep ignoring that and keep trying to get away with things but it's just that lifestyle is gonna catch up with you sooner right. or later I mean the right. whole idea of when when have we had experienced enough struggle and pain doing it our way that we're willing to say I've had enough I give up mm-hmm. well and some I think some of the tension in this and we, we've talked about this a little before just because you're following God like let's say you are somebody who is like hey you know I'm following Christ like that doesn't necessarily mean like the pains go away oh yeah the struggle still exists there is still a there is still a struggle there's still that some tensions and so I think that's you know we've talked about that before about fighting against this this theology of rainbows and sunshine within the Christian faith of you follow Jesus and now and now everything's gonna be and now the pain the the pain is gone (laughs) and it's it's like no yeah Jesus tells us in this life you're going to have trouble yeah right he, he has overcome the world yeah, right? and, and but how do you balance that too with also seeing like that uh, you know the blessings of God and mm-hmm. some of the promises of God like some of it I think is made perspective the exodus narrative like the whole thing of the Israelites reaching a point of crying out we've had enough mm-hmm. I mean the, as soon as they get out of Egypt you know they they face the Egyptian army or the Red Sea oh we've had enough we can't do this and then they get through that and they see amazing things oh now we're all going to starve to death the very next chapter right and God says the very next chapter oh there's no water we're going to we're going right, to die right. of, of thirst right. you know we've had enough and I find the most interesting part is how quickly they jump to conclusions oh yeah you know it's it's like they've determined the outcome yep they just had no concept of but after you've seen like a sea parted <laughs> you would think <laughs> like, one would think after you've got, you I know, mean, like manna coming from the heavens. I mean, this is uh, what makes you think, you know, people are like, oh, God, send me a sign. I'm like, it doesn't matter if he sends you a sign. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It, You'll you know, explain it away. Yeah. It's, how, yeah. How often do we do we experience the things of God where he's giving provision and, and we deny <laughs> that it's God? Yeah. You know, when we won't see that God is actually working in our lives and that he's making a way for us we're we're totally denying that that god is giving us enough but then we can't take credit for doing anything if god's the one who did it oh good point (laughs) all right let's dig in a little bit today 
if you're taking notes, I'm calling this sermon, I've had enough. Who's had enough? Anybody had enough? Like, I've just had enough. I've had enough of politics. I've had enough of COVID. I've had enough of life. I've had enough of work. I've had enough of, insert your own, I've had enough of. I think we can all say, I've had enough. Uh, I was just talking to a buddy this last week, and I asked him, I said, you remember January of 2020? Man, how different life was. Now, the crazy thing was we were in the process of launching Press Church, and so to me, COVID was just another crazy addition to launching a church. Uh, but think about that. Like, go, like, pre-COVID, December, January, February of 2020, before everything kind of went crazy. And now we're here, you know, a year and a half later, and we've, we've seemingly got back into our normal routine somewhat of just the busyness of life, and yet we all have, like, so many more burdens that we're carrying. You know, our work may have changed. School has changed for our kids. Uh, you know, you, you have to have a vaccine to go into certain restaurants, and if you don't have a vaccine, that's bad. Or is it good that you don't have a vaccine? I don't know what to think. Is it good or is it bad? And I have somebody telling me that they're not my friend anymore because I think this way. And we are just carrying so much. We've lost friends We've had family members that are, are no longer, that we no longer talk to, like, and yet we're just, we're just going. And I think we've all just had enough. And what do we do when we've had enough? What do we do? What is the process? I know we, we brought it up in the video here, and we talked last week about the Israelites leaving Egypt. You know, Moses comes and leads them out, and everything's great. And this is, oh, we're finally out of slavery and oppression and now we're stuck against the Red Sea, and we've got these Egyptians coming after us. We should have just stayed in Egypt. What are we doing? Why are we here? And that quickly, they, they go from seeing a blessing to seeing just how bad it is. And then they get through the Red Sea, and like Jason said, it's like the food. Oh, we have no food. Oh, here's food. We have no water. Here's water. And God continues to give to them, but at each point, they question it. And they're just saying, I've, I've got enough. I've had enough, Moses. You, you should have left us there. You should have left us there. Do we, have, uh, do we have any wrestling fans in the house? And I'm not talking like Olympic wrestling. I'm talking like WWE wrestling. All right, so we've got some WWE. I am, I am not, so I'm, I, I don't really know that much about it. But I do know this. Like, I was thinking about, wouldn't it be nice if life was like a tag team, like, match? Do you, if you don't know a tag team match, all right, so you got two people in the ring, and then they got a partner out on the other side, and they have to, you know, they can tag them in. And usually what happens, you know, in the, the realistic fighting that it is, they, you know, they, they get to a point where they get hit down, and they're just, they're reaching, they're like, oh, and they just tag them in, and that person comes in and, come, like, just body slams them. And, you know, it's, but, like, wouldn't that be nice just, like, to tag out? Like, I just want to tap out. Can I tap out? Like, you take over, please. I feel like parenting's like that. I just had a, I just had a new baby, and, um, you know, there'll be points where, like, one of us has taken the crying kid, and hopefully it's not more than one crying kid. We've got three now, so it's like we're outnumbered. It's like, all right, I tap out. You take, I can't, I can't do this anymore. How, how nice would it be, you know, to, to be able to just tap out? You just, you know, you're in, you're in the ring, and you just got hit over the head with a chair, and you're just like, I just, just need to get out. And we've all been hit over the head with chairs this year. Like, that's, think about it. It's like we've, we've just been like, you know, whatever, name your wrestler that you like has pulled us up on those things and just like did like this backflip 
thing, and we just, we're just sitting there laying like, I have nothing else. We're just done. We're just tapped out. And deep down, we're all, we're just tired. We're exhausted. We're anxious, and we're, we're afraid. And when we're afraid, we just start working harder and harder to control the situation. I've got this. I've got to get through this. And we, we, start, we start taking control. We start trying to control the situation. And so my first point this morning is this. Is our default is to respond out of fear. Now we've heard this, like, fear thing all the time. Fear over faith. And all this, but we respond out of fear. I'm afraid that if I don't get the vaccine, this will happen. I'm afraid if I get the vaccine, this will happen. I'm afraid if I vote this way, this will happen. I'm afraid if I don't, and we have these, it's this fear-based thing. I mean, look at, our, look at our news sources. They know how we react. We are controlled by fear. So what do they do? Everything is a big deal. They know us. We are calculable. They know what's going to happen. And that's the thing. We do that. We react out of, of fear, a fear of something. I want to look at 2 Timothy this morning. 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul is speaking to Timothy, and he's trying, you know, he's encouraging him in his ministry. He says to this, he said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Man, a sound mind sounds great right now. I told you about, like, having kids. Uh, we, just, we just have a newborn, two weeks old, just over two weeks old. You can imagine we're getting a lot of sleep. My mind is very fresh, and, like, it's really good right now. Um, yeah, like lack of sleep will do that to you. Just everything's cloudy and hazy, and I was like, sound mind, that sounds really good. But God has given us a sound mind. The ancient Greek word here, it's the idea of, of a calm, self-controlled mind. It says, in contrast to the panic and confusion that comes in a fearful situation, our reaction of, of fear lead to panic and confusion. I think we can all say that we are seeing resemblances of that in our society. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of panic. The fear of losing power, the fear of things changing. And what's hard with this is it's not just like, you know, it's not like telling your kids, like, the boogeyman's not real. Like, there's, like, legitimate things that we could be afraid of. It, there's real things out there. There's real things that can cause us physical harm or emotional harm or mental harm, whatever it may be. It's not like it's just some fictional boogeyman character. Like, there's some real things going on. So what is our, what's our response to this? What do we do when the things we're afraid of, there's like some legitimacy to? And God is saying, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, of a sound mind. I want to say, tell you guys a little story of a guy named Elijah in the Bible. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Elijah. He's a prophet. Elijah was, was somebody who wanted to tap out. I'm talking about this, this tap out. He wanted to tap out. And I don't have time to run through everything and all of his story, but Elijah did some, like, amazing miracles. God used Elijah in some very incredible ways. And even though God had used him in this way, he still reached a point where he was done, where he had had enough, where he, he, just, he wanted to be done. And, and he just, and he broke down. And what's crazy is his breakdown happened right after God had used him in such a mighty way. 
Like, it was, it was literally right after this amazing, miraculous event, and he breaks down after it. Basically, what happened, I'll share this story. So, Elijah gets together, him, and then, like, 400-plus prophets of Baal at the time. They're, they're the, 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 the god of the, the people there. And he gets, so he gets all them, he gets their 400 prophets, 450-plus prophets, and then he comes, and he says, all right, we're going to take two bulls. And you're gonna take you're gonna take a bull, and I'm gonna take a bull. And we're gonna we're gonna cut up this bull, and whosoever God consumes the bull with fire is the true God. And so you get these 450 plus prophets. They chop up their bull. They get their altar, you know, their sacrifice all set up. And Elijah gets his set up, and they're going, they're crying out to their God, and all these different things, and nothing is happening. And Elijah's like, Well, where's your you know where's your God? Okay, I thought he was powerful. And they finally got to a point where where he came and he, and he cried out to God. And this is the crazy thing. Not only did God consume that, before he did that, they actually had it doused with water. Like, yeah, just douse it with water. Let's just, let's just do this. Douse with water. And still God came down, fire came down, and they all saw that God was the true God. And so this, this happens. Like, Elijah is there in the midst of this. God uses him in this scenario. And, and the queen at the time, I think it was Jezebel, wants his head. She wants him dead because of it. And so this is, right after this happens in 1 Kings, this is 19, 2 through 4, this is what happens. So Jezebel sent a messer, a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. He was speaking to one of their prophets who, who had died. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Here it is. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I've had enough, Lord. This guy just got done doing something so crazy. And the threats of a woman... Are now, now I'm, you don't want to, the threats of a woman, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's serious stuff, but he just saw God move in this powerful way. You see, we all have a breaking point. We all have breaking points. It, it's almost like it doesn't matter what we've experienced. We don't, it, it, we, we are so easy to forget, we're so easy to, to not remember the ways that God has come through or, or supported us or been there in the trial, and we, we can break even this mighty prophet of God. And for Elijah, his breaking point was this fierce woman saying that it was her life mission to, to kill him. The man who saw fire come down in front of him on a water-soaked sacrifice. And now he's wanting to die. He's, he's done. But like so many other times, God wasn't done with him. Just like the, the Israelites fleeing Egypt, God wasn't done with them. He had something else for them. And, you know, he was just afraid of what he was seeing in the here and the now. That's what I'm saying. That is, that's our go-to. Our go-to is to see the, what's, what's the trial right here that I can see? And we can't see past it. And God isn't asking us to see past it. 
He's asking us to trust him. I had a point that I just thought this was good. The point is this. Give yourself a break. Who needs a break? Give yourself a break. Now, I think you can, you can take this in a few different ways. And I know it probably sounds unspiritual. But, you know, get some rest. Clear your mind. It, right after... Uh, Right after Elijah's got that, if we look in the next verse down, this is 1 Kings 19, 5 and 6. This is what happens after he wanted to die. It says, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some, baked, some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Like, you see a picture of Elijah. He's, he's, he's rejuvenating. He had to take a break. He had to get away. He had to be done. He got some rest. What does it mean to get rest? I was actually talking to CR and Jason about this. I think when we think of rest, we think of, like, just doing nothing. Rest isn't just doing nothing. Or we think of rest as sitting on the couch and watching Netflix. Like, that's not, that's not restful. That's not rejuvenating. There's, there's, there's no sense of, like, rejuvenation coming from that. It's not watching TV. For some of us, rest may be reading or going for a walk or taking a bike ride or going for a long drive. But rest isn't just doing nothing. And there's, there's a purpose there in the rest. That you still have something to do. You still have somewhere to go. And we all need it at times. We all need some, some rest. Give your minds a break. Turn off the news. Get off social media. Get away from those voices. I know I've, I don't know if you guys have Twitter. I've like just gotten, I've done with Twitter. It's like I get on there and all I see is arguing and bashing. It's like, why am I putting that in my head? Why am I getting anxious over these people who I don't even know saying something? And I'm taking their words and like now it has some sort of weight in my life. Like what voices are you giving weight in your life that have no right to be giving you advice or input in your life give yourself a break cut it off there's a lot of voices right now and seemingly the one voice that we should be looking towards we're not scripture says this matthew eleven twenty eight says this jesus says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest Come to me, and I will give you rest. You who are weary, you who are burdened. It's the wording here, I like, with weary and burdened. So in weary, it's speaking of, like, the burdens that we take upon ourselves. And then with the burden, it speaks of burdens given by others. We have both. You can't control everybody else. I know, this is like the shocker, right? You can't control other people. People will hurt you. People can do terrible things to you. And, and Jesus is saying, you who are burdened, are you burdened by other people? And are there things that you've taken on yourself? What have we done to ourselves to burden us? What have we taken on that's making us weary? This is all of us. We are all in this camp. We are tired. We are weary. We are burdened. And some of those things are things that we can't control. Most of them. Most of them are things that we can't control. 
And I believe this is one of the biggest struggles of our culture, that we think that we have control. We have enough money to do it. We have enough wherewithal to do it. We're going to work hard enough. We're just going to do it ourselves. We think we have the answers to fix it. And what do we do? We get in the cycle of trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, and we're tired. I think this is one of the big differences in, in Christianity versus other religions that we, I think we get wrong sometimes even in, in following Jesus. Other religions like you do this and you do this and you will get this. Be a good person, do this, do this, and you will get this. That's not Christianity. Christianity is saying, God, I need a savior. I can't do it. That's the beauty of the gospel. I can't be enough. I need you, Jesus. And yet we fall into this trap of like, I've got to earn it. I've got to do it myself. I've got to hold this perfect moral standard. I've got to, and we, we have the order completely wrong. He's asking us to come to him. He's asking, he's asking that we say, yep, I, I, I need you. And who's good at asking for help? And every single hand stays down. We're not good at asking for help. Because now all of a sudden it means I'm not good enough. And that, that we don't like that. We don't like feeling like that. And all I can think of, like this keeps coming back to me. I just, I just see God saying, come to me. God is saying, come to me. Have you had enough? Come to me. Are you afraid of COVID? Come to me. Are you struggling at work? Come to me. Are you upset with our government? Come to me. Are you sick of seeing people in pain and hurting? Come to me. Our world continues to try and give answers to things. It continues to give answer after answer after answer. And all it is, it's, it's our best effort to try to fix these things. It's like, it's like a Band-Aid. And it's not a Band-Aid on like a small cut. It's a Band-Aid on a severed arm. It's not going to do anything. And, and that is what our society is giving. We are, we are giving Band-Aids to a severed arm. And instead of seeking Christ, instead of seeking Jesus, we are, we are just staying inward and saying, I can fix this. I can do this. I can be a better person and, and make this work. God's not looking for a perfect person. He's looking for somebody that's desiring to come to him. He wants you to draw close to him. Scripture says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. How are we drawing near to Christ in these times that we don't have the answer? Worship team, you guys can start coming up. How are we relying on God? You know, he's not, like I said, he's not looking for some perfect recitement of something. He's not looking for a perfect, but we are all going to, to fall short in some way or another. And that's not like some like defeatist mentality of like, oh, we're just going to be horrible and bad. No, it's, it's just a recognition of the fact that, God, I need you. And, he, and what is he saying? He's saying, come to me.
So this week, when you're at work and it feels overwhelming, visualize God saying, come to me. When you're interacting with somebody who disagrees with you and is frustrating, visualize you saying, come to me. God is, he is the source of our true hope. He is the source of our true joy. It's not in a, in a governmental structure. It's not in a system. The thing, our answers are always going to fall short. And that's not to say that we should try to make things better and work, but when we just rely on ourselves, we will always, we will always fall short. So wherever you are today, whatever space of life you're in, whatever struggle you're dealing with, this week, I'm write it down, like, come to me. Think about that. Come to me. He can handle your stress. He can handle your fear. He can handle whatever burden. He can handle your frustration. Maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you're just like, I, I'm, sick of, I'm sick of God. He can handle that. Come to me, and I will give you rest. I want rest. I want a mind that is not tossed back and forth by the, the next struggle. I want a sound mind. And I hope that we want that too. So whatever you're doing this week, visualize God saying, come to me. Let's pray. God, I know that we, we all feel the burden and the pain and the struggle of just society right now, of life right now. It feels overwhelming, and, and we need your help, God. And I, God, I ask that, that each of us, it, if we would truly come to you, God, I pray that you would meet us there. I and mean, you say, draw near to us, and we will draw, he will draw near to you. You say you will draw near to us, God. I pray that we feel that, that this week when things are hard and things don't make sense and whatever it may be, that we run to you and say, God, I need your help. I need you. I can't do this on my own. I pray that your presence would just be tangible this week, that you would help us get through, that because of you and your spirit, we would have patience, we would have joy, that our circumstances would not dictate our joy, and that's only from your spirit, God. God, we love you and we thank you. Pray that you continue to work in us and through us. In your name we pray, amen.